All right, so I have some audio we're going to get to here of the uh, Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, and the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki. Okay, um, let me set the table here. Monoclonal antibodies. All right, I think I saw them uh, open for uh, the widespread panic, I believe, back in uh, 94, I think it was. Yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, no, I'm kidding. The monoclonal antibodies is actually a therapeutic and uh, the governor down in Florida has been um, has been you know buying this stuff and distributing it. The feds have been buying it, but it hasn't really been um, in widespread use. Okay, DeSantis was blasted by the left for promoting this treatment uh, by uh, what's called Regeneron is one of the uh, one of the versions of it. I think they uh, well, it doesn't matter. I was gonna. There's an abbreviation. It's like ABM or or MABs, or something like that. But, um, oh, yeah, mono, monoclonal antibodies. Yeah, MABs, right. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Anyway, demand now is so great that the Biden administration is rationing it. There's a lesson here, real quick, just a real quick lesson for all of the people uh, who are like, we need to have Obamacare, we need government to take over, we want single-payer health care, we want what the British have, all that. I said this this was an argument I was making in 2008 when I was sitting in this very chair, nine to midnight though, and I was making this very argument. I was saying, healthcare, like all things, is going to be rationed by price or by access. Those are your options price or access. And this is a perfect example of what rationing by access looks like. We all understand what rationing by price means. It means if you can't afford it, you don't get it, right? But at least, see, here's the difference, is that at least there's a way, there's an option, there's there's a path. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you're going to get it. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying there's a path, right? If there, I mean, think about it, right? Let's say you get sick, and there's this one pill, and there's only one of them, and... It costs $100,000. You just need this one pill. You take it, you're cured. But you don't have $100,000. You're poor. But there's a path. You could fundraise, right? Sell everything you own. Like, would you sell everything you own to get the money to buy the pill that saves your life? I think most people say yes, right? Because what are these earthly possessions? Who cares, right? The point is life. So... There's a pathway. Now, if you got a government agency that's saying, no, you're, you can't have access to this pill because we're going to distribute it based on how we think it should be distributed based on, I don't know, equity. How about that, right? That's rationing by access. Those are the options, folks. You got to pick one or the other. You, you either ration by access or you ration by cost. And so what we're seeing now is the rationing of healthcare. Just thought I'd point that out because it seems to be lost on everybody trying to paint DeSantis as, you know, some sort of partisan ghoul that's trying to march people to the slaughter for his political aims. But uh, two months ago, DeSantis was being castigated by promoting the use of Regeneron's monoclonal antibody treatment as part of his state's efforts to fight COVID-19. Desperate to find something sinister in the push, DeSantis's critics threw out every charge they could dream up. At first, the line was that Regeneron's treatment didn't work. 
Then it was that Regeneron's treatment worked fine, but it represented a dangerous distraction from the vaccine. You shouldn't be telling people to get Regeneron. You're going to convince them not to get the vaccine. And finally, it was that Regeneron's treatment was part of a corrupt plot to enrich DeSantis's donors. This is the this is the level of dumbassery we deal with. And again, it gets treated as mainstream, legitimate, credible theories. Now we find out from the Washington Post that actually, no, none of that was actually the problem. Instead, DeSantis's sin is that he's been relying upon the monoclonal antibody treatment too much. And so this is unfair to other states that now need it. This is like Atlas Shrugged. I swear to God, this is like the storyline from Atlas Shrugged. First, they try to destroy you. Then they try to take it. Right. When they realized that Reardon Metal was so super strong after they couldn't get uh, the railroad Taggart uh, Transcontinental to stop using it. Right. And they tried to force everybody to stop using it. Then what happens is when they show that it actually does work, then they're like, well, you got to give it to us. And they t- try to take it. This is a piece by Charles C.W. Cook, not the Atlas Shrugged connection. That was all me. But the uh, uh, Ron DeSantis being right about monoclonal antibody therapy and. The uh, Biden administration has been now so impressed by the impact that Regeneron's treatment has made that it's now seeking to, quote, stave off shortages of the drug by purchasing one point four million dollars, uh, yeah, one point four, sorry, additional doses and tasking the Department of Health and Human Services to set the rules for distribution. So instead of allowing states and medical facilities and doctors to order them directly, you're going to have to go through GovCo. And they're going to distribute it how they see fit. And if you're a Republican governor that might challenge Joe Biden, well, maybe some people in your state need to die. I'm sorry to paint it that callously, but that's right. That's the political calculation. Oh, no, no. See, we I forgot they're Democrats. So we assume their motivations are only pure. They would never consider politics in any of their distribution uh, mechanism. No, no, no. In explaining the move, the Washington Post says that soaring demand for the therapy represents uh, a sharp turn just from two months ago when monoclonal antibodies were widely available and awareness of them was low. Which, remember at the time, like I made the joke about Roy Cooper touting the monoclonal antibodies. He just the other day he went and toured some Mab clinic. He was just there like two days ago. But he never got castigated. He was never accused of trying to kill people or dissuade people from getting vaccinated. He was never accused of all of this stuff or trying to line the pockets of his wealthy donors. See, when you have the big D shield, that big Democrat shield. You don't have to answer questions like that. You don't get accused of these things. That's that's for Republicans to fight off. Here's the thing. We live in a free country. And as much as people want to keep browbeating and, you know, trying to persuade the vaccine hesitant, there's always going to be a population that refuses to get it. So this is what you sell. This is how you this is what you give to them. All right. You refuse to get the vaccine. Well, we have these treatments. If you get sick, this is what we're going to give you. Oh, and by the way, if you do get the vaccine and you get sick, we're going to give these treatments to you as well. Sometimes, as uh, Charles C.W. Cook writes at National Review, sometimes good news can just be good news, even if it's coming from Ron DeSantis. It's okay, people. It's okay. 
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so a couple of things here. We've got a couple of uh, sound bites, three to be exact. Um, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, talking about these monoclonal antibodies, and the White House has now just blown up the way uh, that the uh, these MABs have been distributed. And uh, here's DeSantis. Do we have my audio up, if you don't mind? Thank you. And then uh, DeSantis, cut number one here, talking about how Biden is changing the rules. Very, very concerned uh, with the Biden administration and the HHS's recent abrupt, sudden announcement that they are going to dramatically cut the number of monoclonal antibodies uh, that are going to be sent to the state of Florida. Just last week, on September 9th, President Joe Biden said that his administration would be increasing shipments of monoclonal antibodies in September by 50 percent. And yet, on September 13th, HHS announced that it was seizing control of the monoclonal antibody supply and that it would control distribution. And then on September 14th, the announcement was more than 50% of the monoclonal antibodies uh, that had been used in Florida uh, were going to be reduced. So this is a dramatic reduction. And I'd say it's doubly problematic because what, what Shane Strom and folks in Tampa General and these other hospital systems that have been doing this, they're not getting it from the state. Uh, they, they get it. It's drawn down from it had been a Marisource Virgin. So they get that. Uh, and then when they need more, they request more, they do it. What the HHS and the Biden administration is now doing is they're saying that all of the reduced amount will go to the state, and we're responsible not only for sourcing our sites, which we're happy to do, but any infusion center, any provider, any hospital will have to come through the state. And to just spring this on us starting next week, we're going to have to do that. There's going to be a huge disruption, and patients are going to suffer as a result of this. And so we're going to work like hell uh, to make sure that we can overcome the obstacles uh, that HHS and the Biden administration are putting uh, in, in, in us. They say they're, they're cutting it because of equity. Well, look, the South has had higher prevalence uh, this summer. That will shift. And then as more states and other parts of regions need it, we understand that. But part of the reason we've used a lot is because I have made it a priority in the state of Florida. It had not been a priority at the federal government level for months and months and months. All right. And so then he says that uh, he is going to go out and buy more of these because the White House is not going to be distributing the same amount as it was before. We're going to try to cover the bases. I had a call yesterday with GlaxoSmithKline uh, executives about their new monoclonal antibody. How do you pronounce it? Citropamab, yeah. I always mess that up. So uh, Citrovimab was given EUA, I believe, in May. So the Eli Lilly one, which is kind of now coming back, but the Regeneron, that was at the end of 2020. Uh, Citrovimab was EUA in May. The clinical data on that was even better than the clinical data on the Regeneron. 85% reduction in hospitalizations. It is not approved for subcutaneous injection. So if we get it and we use it at our our sites, we'd have to expand the amount of IV treatments uh, that are available, which we'd be, which we're going to be willing to do. Uh, so now they do not have a direct 
direct uh, purchase agreement with the federal government. Federal government's bought all the Regeneron. They just upped it for another another shipment. Honestly, that should have been done many months ago. Uh, but I, we are not able to buy it directly uh, from Regeneron, given that uh, we do think we can potentially order some uh, Citrovimab, and we will uh, we will do that if we can. It has been the clinical data is great on it, and so we would be able to potentially use that uh, to meet any of the shortfalls. But this is something that uh, when you have something that has worked, uh, you should want to continue doing that. Uh, we've been throwing a major curveball here uh, with a really huge cut uh, from HHS and the Biden administration, even though you see the numbers. I mean, I think that we should, we're all very happy where we are today versus where we were a month ago. Uh, much, much better trends, and we've kept a lot of people out of the hospital. So we're fighting. Uh, we're going to make sure we leave no stone unturned. Uh, whoever needs a treatment, we're going to work like hell to get them the treatment. And um, I am happy that even though the awareness of this has gone up, we've actually seen a decline in the number of people going to our sites. And I think that's because there's less of a need for it because the prevalence has gone down, which is great. And so hopefully that will continue. But we know that there's going to be people that need this in the interim, and we have a responsibility to be there. Right, to be there. So uh, this is good news. Now, I would also point out for folks who are like, I'm not taking the vaccine because it's not FDA approved. Monoclonal antibodies are also, they're only approved under the same sort of emergency use authorization. So just a heads up on that. Um, here's Jen Psaki answering a question, though, from Newsmax, I believe it came from. The efficacy of vaccines. I do have another question about the, the president's COVID mm-hmm. plan. He promised on September 9th that he was going to send 50% more supply of monoclonal antibodies to states. Yet, the Biden administration is cutting supplies in red states by 50%. So, for example, uh, you know, in Florida, they were expecting to get 70,000 doses this week, which they say they need. They're only getting 30,000 doses. And this is not just for unvaccinated people. In South Florida, half the people who are seeking this treatment are fully vaccinated. So why is the Biden administration cutting these supplies? That's not accurate. So let me give you the accurate information. Uh, First of all, we are increasing our distribution this month by 50%. In early August, we were distributing an average of 100,000 doses per week. Now we're shipping an average of 150,000 doses per week. Over the last month, though, uh, and one thing that I think people need to understand for clarity, facts, I know know you're like facts, um, is that monoclonal antibodies are life-saving therapies that are used after infection to prevent more more severe outcomes. So clearly the way to protect people and save more lives this is, all just is to get them vaccinated. See, that's all just deflection. Now she's like, get vaccinated. Well, that's, that's not the point here. Not the point. Right now, the point is get a news update from Mark Muller in the WBT News Center. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Our most reliable pandemic number is losing meaning. TheAtlantic.com, story by David Zweig, or Zweig, Zweig, I think is how he pronounces it. Uh, At least 12,000 Americans have already died from COVID-19 this month as the country inches through its latest surge in cases. But another worrying statistic is often cited to depict the dangers of the moment. The number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19, now it's as high as it's been since the beginning of February. From the start, COVID hospitalizations have served as a vital metric for tracking the risks posed by the disease. 
This is COVID hospitalizations. Death counts give you finality, but they're a lagging indicator. And they don't account for people who suffered from significant illness but still survive, right? They got case counts, but they depend on, you know, which and how many people happen to get tested, you know, what kinds of tests, all of that. But the hospitalization numbers, it's a more stable and reliable gauge of the pandemic's true toll in terms of severe disease. But a new study nationwide of hospitalization records released as a preprint, not yet formally peer-reviewed, suggests that the meaning of this gauge can easily be misinterpreted and that it has been shifting over time. The overall tallies of hospitalizations do not differentiate based on severity of illness. Some patients need extensive medical intervention, like getting intubated. Others require supplemental oxygen or administration of the steroid dexamethasone. But there are many COVID patients in the hospital with fairly mild symptoms who got admitted for further observation because of their comorbidities or because they reported feeling short of breath. So what are we supposed to do with this information now? You're telling me that the hospitalization numbers includes a bunch of people that aren't really terribly sick because that's what I think when you're like, oh my gosh, they got hospitalized with COVID. You think it's serious, right? This is the number that they're telling everybody is the reason why everybody needs to freak out. Researchers have tried to get a similar question, uh, tried to get at similar questions uh, in the past, two similar studies, separate studies published back in May. Um, some doctors in California read through hundreds of charts of pediatric patients one by one to figure out why exactly they were uh, each COVID positive kid had been admitted to the hospital. And according to the researchers, 40 to 45% of the hospitalizations were for some non COVID reason. The authors of the paper that came out this week took a different approach, uh, trying to answer a similar question for adults. So what they did, the study suggests also, though, I'm not going to go into the details of how they did it. They went through like all of the, the databases. They went through VA hospitals. But uh, the, their study suggests that roughly half of all the hospitalized patients showing up on the data dashboards got admitted for another reason entirely or had only a mild presentation of the disease. Half. So you're telling me the COVID hospitalization numbers out, out of that out of that data point, half of the numbers are not seriously ill with COVID? Because, again, that's the impression that we are left with. When you say, oh, my gosh, look at all the hospitalizations. Now, we should point out here, patients in the VA system are not representative of the U.S. population at whole, uh, as a whole, right? There's um, not a lot of women as compared to the population. There are no kids, right? These are VA hospitals. Um also, the study would benefit from more detail and nuance uh, beyond uh, the one marker they looked at, oxygenation status. They used that as the marker for whether or not it was serious. But if you use other metrics for the severity of illness, like intensive care admissions, well, that presents a different limitation because different hospitals use different criteria for admitting patients to the ICU. That's pretty important. Um, question, why am I getting vaccinated if I just end up in the hospital anyway? 
The answer, well, you'll end up leaving the hospital. Now, one of the values of this study is that it helps the public understand this distinction. The fact that not all hospital uh, COVID hospitalizations are the same. But the study also demonstrates that hospitalization rates for COVID, as cited by journalists and policymakers, can be misleading if they're not considered carefully. I am begging media and politicians to please, please consider context, consider nuance, consider more information when you're telling these stories about the ravages of COVID. Um, We should refine the definition of hospitalizations. This article goes on to say those patients who are there with COVID rather than from COVID. Well, gosh, it only took 18 months to get to this point. I've heard this like literally the entire time. Literally the entire pandemic, I have heard this very thing being espoused. But good to see that we are finally getting there. Let me get to Kathy real quick. Hey, Kathy, I have about a minute. What's up? Oh, Kathy. Oh, oh sorry, Kelly. All right. Kelly, yes. All right. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what that sound is. I don't know if it's me talking back or if it's uh, Kelly on a speakerphone. I'll put you on hold and we'll pick you up after the uh, traffic. I also want to get to the Union County School thing. I'll hit that after the uh, uh, the commercial break. I got Stacy on the line, too. We'll get to you. We'll try to get to it all before we get out of here on Friday. But right now, if you're trying to get out of where you are right now, you probably want to listen to Boomer Von Cannon's traffic report. 10993 WBT. Let me see if I got Kelly back here. Kelly, are you there? I am here. All right. Yeah. That. Sorry about that, man. All right. So what's up? So why would you not, as a leader, decide to pay $20 for a shot, technically 1950 and you take two shots versus paying twelve fifty per infusion. Well, and the idea. Is, well, so the idea is that you avoid the um, you avoid the the risk of catching it in the first place. You, if you take the vaccine, you avoid the risk. If yeah. you take monoclonal, you've already gotten the, the virus, and you're clogging up the healthcare system because you got tested for it. And guess what? You have it. You're coming into the hospital to get the infusion. Not, well, not necessarily a hospital. There are um, there are infusion sites. They, I mean, it, they've got clinics and stuff, but uh, they don't have to necessarily be at a hospital. But the idea is okay. that you do – well, my, my view on this has always been all of the above. I'm not going to choose one or the other. But if you do the if – if he pushes – instead of pushing the clinics to give you something after you treat the problem, why not prevent the problem? Most executives – and companies use Six Sigma to try to minimize the impact of something. Right. Well, he's and been doing that too, though. He's doing it after the fact. No, he hasn't. He's, everybody's running around getting sick because it's politicized. He doesn't want them to take the vaccine, but he's going to pay for you. He's literally told people to take the vaccine. He's been saying that for months. He's been pushing vaccines. They're one of the most vaccinated. I mean, they're the old people. He was saying... Vaccinate all the old people. Shut down the uh, the nursing homes. I mean, that's just incorrect. He's been he's been promoting the monoclonal antibodies as a treatment, but he's also been promoting the vaccine uh, the vaccines as well. I, I haven't even heard him on Fox say he's promoting the vaccine. Does he have to be on Fox to do it? That's where, where else has he been? He's, he's the governor of Florida. He's all over. He's doing press conferences all the time. He literally just said it in the sound bites that I played. I, okay, I, I will admit, I missed it in the sound, but she just played. 
Yeah, I mean, he's been. He, this is not an either or. He has, but this has been. That's the line. So I'm curious, where did you come up with this idea that he hasn't been pro vaccine? I have not heard him mention go out take the vaccine. I've heard him. Mention, do you do you consume a lot of Florida media? I consume a lot of media. I don't consume a lot of Florida media. Right. So, like, do you but know whether or not? All right. So, do you know, like, whether or not the Democratic governor of another state say, I don't know. Uh, is there a Democratic governor in Pennsylvania? Do you know if he's telling people to go out and get it? How about Vermont? Like, do we, do you know any of those states? I uh, have not heard Pennsylvania. I've heard of the, of California. I've heard of New York. Mm-hmm. I've heard of Virginia. I've heard of South Carolina. I've heard of, not heard of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas. I mean, it's like, it's, it's all after the fact stuff. It's not, but this is, the monoclonal antibodies have been, he's been, They've been doing that for a while, and again, they were pushing the vaccines from the from the initial uh, uh, distribution of the vaccines because that was the whole point of getting everybody vaccinated, particularly at the older ages. Uh, like, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just suggest something, and I could be completely wrong here, but um, because what you're saying actually tracks with the criticism that Charles C. W. Cook outlined specifically in his piece that I was just reading from, which is that media coverage and critics of DeSantis's, they have been charging him with that, even though it is demonstrably false. But that has been the way the coverage has been directed and the way critics of DeSantis. So I'm going to go out on a limb and just take a guess. You're not a fan of Ron DeSantis. I'm not a fan of anyone who is not pushing the vaccine. I'm not a fan of anyone who is not pushing what, in my mind, is the solution. That's not. That's not what I asked, though. Repeat your question. Are Are you? I said I am. I'm going to guess that you are not a fan of Ron DeSantis. I am not necessarily not a fan of Ron DeSantis. You're not a fan of Ron I'm, DeSantis. I'll say I'm, I'll say I'm neutral on him. You're neutral on him. And, and the only reason why you would be neutral is because you think he hasn't been pushing the vaccine. No, the only re- the reason I'm not neutral is because I'm not, I, I don't have a lot of information about that person as to how he governs in that state. The only thing I have is essentially the information related to the, the pandemic that we're dealing with and how, from a Florida standpoint, he is just open, don't he, care, he, don't care about masks. If you actually require at the local level, if you require a mask, I'm going to sue you. Right, because they're in violation of of the order from the state and the the powers of the local governments. Uh, they they come forth from the state. The state is the seminal authority. Same thing here in this state because the, the same thing is happening. But the same thing is happening here in North Carolina, where our governor just told all of our school districts, "Hey, you can do whatever you want." And Union County said, "Okay, well, we're going to go mask optional." And now they're threatened with litigation. But you're okay with that, right? Same thing. He, he's starting with, no, 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 no. He's starting with litigation from who? From the state of North From the DHHS. From the Health and Human Services Secretary. That, they just that's, sent, at the, that's at the federal level. It's not at the state level. doesn't matter. It's at the federal level we're talking about. This is at the state level, state level. Florida and North Carolina, same thing. So, so North Carolina, DHS has threatened to sue... Well, they threatened, yeah, they threatened legal action against Union County schools. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard that. I only heard that, that a ton of lawyers are willing to come forward to defend this, the, the district. To defend but, the district from that, right, from that threat of litigation. 
again, like I said, I have not heard that there was a threat of litigation against Union County. I've heard this outrage against Union County. I'm assuming the people, the lawyers stood up because they live in the area, potentially, and they're wanting to defend it or make the announcement that they want to defend it just in case it does come up. Now, I find it ironic that all things are local, except when they're not local. Federal, stay out of my business. Yeah, that's generally the conservative state. That's the federalist model. Kelly, that's the but that's Kelly, that's the federalist model. Who's under a federalist model? America. Uh, America's not under a federalist model. That's why we don't. I mean, what what do you you, think federalism is? Conservative. The thought is. What do you think? Conservative. The thought is you should be under a federalist model. You don't think you don't think we operate under a federalism system? Federalism system, yes. Federalist model, no. What is the difference in your mind? The difference in my mind is that is the individuals that want to have everything based on the Constitution as it was thought of, as it was written, not thought of, as it was written at that time. That's not. That's, that's not what a I consider as a federalist model. That's not, that's not accurate. Now, federal federalism and a federalist model are synonymous. It's the same thing. It means that the powers are uh, the power the federal government has comes from the states. The states created the federal government. The federal government has powers that are enumerated and limited, right? And that the all powers not listed in the Constitution are reserved for the people and the states. And so that's the federalist model. That's federalism, right? This is the idea that all states operate independently. Yes, we have some uh, federal laws, but we all operate under this umbrella of a federalist system. That's that, that's the idea. And that's why, because I, I kind of get a sense here, you're trying to make an argument also about uh, oh, conservatives are hypocrites because they are about local control, except when they're not. I heard some of that in your argument as well. I think you were trying to make that argument, too. But localism and local control is not the superior principle in all things. The law is. The law is. No, no, like, this is a really important point that a lot of people of the left don't understand about conservatives. If a local government makes a local law, are you saying that local governments can't make local law? Did I say that? That sounds ridiculous. I wouldn't say such a ridiculous thing. Correct, but they but they, so they can. So if I local government make a local law, why does the state government want to supersede what I need right. for my local level? Good question. So here's the answer. Because as I said earlier, the state is the seminal authority. The state created the cities and the counties. Those things are in North Carolina specifically, and like and uh, uh, literally, they are administrative units of the state. The state is the most important thing. And so the powers that local governments have are only theirs because the state says so. And if the local governments pass laws that this, that are in conflict with what the state has already adopted as law, then no, that's not a then local control is not the superior principle. You can pass laws, but they have to be legal in the state. So who supersedes federal or state? It if depends. Federal creates a law. If federal creates a law that is high, that is lower than the state. In the federal level, does it get? Is it challengeable? Is it against the law? Does it get challenged in court? Yeah, that's absolutely what the, gets challenged in court. So the state may give power, but the federal supersedes the state. Not all. And not in all the cases. Federalist like to come back and complain cases, that no, the federal government can't all law or local. That, that's okay. So again, that's not accurate. Like. The, the states sue all the time, and these issues are uh, hashed out in the court system. Who has the control? Who has the authority? What do you think Obamacare was all about? That was a big fight about whether or not the federal government has the authority to do what they did. States that disagree. 
I suspect you don't like DeSantis for a different reason. That's the vibe I'm getting. I don't. I, I think you don't really understand conservatism either. But I appreciate the call. Have a great weekend. Brett Winterbull up next. I'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone.